Hello and welcome to My Life in Three Songs, a podcast presented by The Daily Emerald. My name is Riley, and each week I talk with a different member of Oregon faculty, discussing the three songs that changed their life. This week I'm talking to J-School rock star Todd Milborn. How you doing tonight, Todd? A rock star. Well, I'll take it, you know. Uh, you know, a grammar professor, you know, takes takes all he can get. I gotta say, I feel like you have the reputation of an indie album because all the J-School kids think that they discovered you, but in reality, everyone loves Mr. Milborn, and that's not really a hot take. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope I don't reach the point where, like, I eventually go mainstream and sell out, and then, you know, and then it's just all downhill from there. I think you got the integrity. I think you can last. Are you aware of how students perceive you, or is that kind of like a distant thing for teachers? Gosh, you know, it is it is sort of a distant thing, especially in like a big class like grammar. I mean, there's like 300 students in there. And so I interact with like a handful uh, of students. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a mystery to me. So you, you probably know more than I do. <laughs> well, I'll say everyone's saying good things. And I'm not just saying that there's definitely a, a positive consensus. But one of the reasons I thought you were so great for this show, like such a good fit is that you meld music into all of your lectures. And I remember doing your Canvas assignment for the first time, and I was like, oh, great, I got to do grammar homework. And then a funk song starts playing, and I'm like, wait a minute, okay, I'm on board. And Sly and the Family Stone just makes any, like, homework assignment more fun. So has this always been something you've done as a teacher, or is it a more recent thing? You know, it has been something I've always done. And especially with grammar, I feel that's such an intimidating subject for so many students that, like any way you can kind of find some common ground. You know, I don't know how much common ground Sly and the Family Stone actually creates for like this generation of student, but but yeah, I'm always looking for those opportunities where there's some way to get a conversation going about language in a way that's fun and and music. I mean, one thing I really love about it is its ability to to bridge gaps and and create a, a shared shared language. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I, I'm interested in, because you've dedicated so much of your time to studying language and picking apart words and all of that stuff. Does that change how you listen to lyrics and songs or how you judge someone's songwriting ability? I mean, you would think given that background that I would be, you know, like like all about lyrics, all about writing, you know, and I am. But for me, when I'm listening just as like a casual music consumer, I mean, I'm all about the vibe. Like, you know, at the beginning, like when I first hear a song, I just like, I kind of like try it on. Like, does it fit? Does it feel good? And don't really hear the words the first time out. It takes a few listens before the words start to sink in. And, and, you know, and then when that all comes together, I'm like, okay, this is like a great song. But really my entry point is always like kind of the feel, just kind of general atmosphere of the song. I see a guitar in the background of your Zoom video. Are you a musician yourself? Do you ever write? That's my daughter's guitar. So my eight-year-old Vivian is learning all sorts of songs in her guitar. She's learned John Denver. She's learning uh, Dear Theodosia from Hamilton. Like she's got a lot of great songs she's working on. But yeah, I do. I play guitar myself, kind of campfire level. Yeah, yeah. Music is a part of our, our household for sure on a daily basis. The J School kids would love to hear a folk Todd Milborn album if you're ever ready to pull out that harmonica and record something. All right, well, I'm going to have to raise my rates for that one. <laughs> yeah, very reasonable. Before we get into the songs that you chose, I'd love to hear a little bit about like where you grew up and how you ended up at University of Oregon. I grew up in the upper Midwest, so I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and went to school in, in the Twin Cities, you know, lived out in California, spent a year in Prague before landing in Oregon, so I bounced around. You know, there was a lot of like music, contemporary music happening that just like didn't reach us. 
you know, or it was there, but you had to have like, you know, an older brother or some kind of way to get into it. But what sort of permeated my world was just like classic rock. But everywhere I've gone in my travels, starting in Green Bay to where I am now in Eugene, like music has been a real companion and has been a real touchstone, you know, as you go different places and kind of collect different stories and have different experiences that's always there in the background for me. Will you tell us about the first song you chose? So the first song I chose was Bold as Love by Jimi Hendrix. I chose that because it was for me really the first song that I felt was like, like my own, like I kind of took like ownership of it. So I had music around me, I had older sisters, and you know, there was just kind of like music swirling. But I remember going to like this YMCA dance <laughs> and having like this friend who is like, he's like, you know, there's two bands that you really need to listen to. And he's like, Led Zeppelin oh. and Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and it's Green Bay. So it's like, you know, there's this like real kind of like classic rock vibe, even though that wasn't really music of our generation. It was music of our parents' generation, but that was kind of what was in the in the air. And so I got a Jimi Hendrix box set for Christmas that I like, you know, begged and pleaded for. And I just, I spent hours and hours in my room, headphones on, you know, I had on my like little CD Walkman, you could like turn the channel. So you could either be on the left channel or the right. And Hendrix's guitar is often just like on the left. So I just like isolate the guitar. Well, yeah, he has some crazy panning. I was listening to the whole record uh, this morning in preparation. And like they, all the instruments are like wildly all over the place. And like just the left ear will be getting the drum and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, there was like this recording, this phasing recording technique, which was like, that was one of the first records to, to use some of that technology. And yeah, and that song like really stands out from that time, like 13, 14, you know, kind of beginning to become a human in some ways, like very self-conscious, feeling anxious, right? A lot of those kind of teenage feelings. And there was something about Hendrix that I feel really sort of spoke to me in that moment. As I go back and kind of get reacquainted with that song. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just like one click away from chaos. There's a lot of like elegant, beautiful elements to it. But then there's also like, it kind of feels like a rocket, you know, and it's like, it's like, it's going to blast off, but you have no idea where that's going to go. There's a lot of fuel. <laughs> this thing could really go in a bunch of different directions. It could devolve. It could explode. Somebody could get hurt. And I guess, yeah, for that reason, it kind of felt like, oh, yeah, like this, this sort of speaks to me in some level that I couldn't explain or I couldn't express, right? Because you just don't have the words when you're a teenager for that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's really beautiful. That's a great choice. What about the second one? So the second one I chose is a song called How How We Met the Long Version by the Swedish pop artist Jens Lekman, who is really one of my all-time favorite artists. You know, the reason I chose that one is because by the time I got to college, I sort of had this, like... I had this like awakening, I felt like this kind of intellectual awakening that happened for me in college, which was a really beautiful experience. And it's what I hope all of my students have is like some sort of like, you know, you get interested in things. There's a lot of things you learn in college and in that college experience. But I think one of the most important things you can do is, is, is just kind of get into stuff, right? I got introduced to Jens Lechman kind of in that period, and he has stuck with me all the way 
through. And like I was mentioning before, like for me, when I get into music, a lot of it is like, you know, how, what's the vibe? How does that sound? Uh, and then like the lyrics kind of come in and, and I feel his lyrics are so wry. They're so self-aware. They're so interesting and kind of clever and like smart turns of phrase, you know, that he does like speaking in a second language. You know, they, they stick with me because I do have this deep appreciation for like great writing. And, and I feel he's just, he's a great writer. The sort of sweep of the song uh, where he like basically tells the entire story of humanity from the Big Bang into this moment where he like kisses this girl, you know, like that's, that's a high wire act. And I feel like he pulls it off. And so it really speaks to sort of that sort of intellectual thread that I continue to pull. All right. Will you tell us about your third and final song choice? I went to this, um, there's this great music festival in Willamina, Oregon. It's called Wildwood. And so I go there with, you know, in non-COVID times with a big group of like Eugene friends and many of them are in bands and they, they love music and our families go and we camp out. And we were listening to one of the performers there and it was like this music that I hadn't heard before. There was a vibraphone, there were some horns, there were some keys and it was really alluring and really interesting. And so I wanted to learn more like what is this band and what are they all about? And it turns out it was this band from Portland and they were a tribute band to this Ethiopian jazz artist from the 60s, Mulatu Atsake. When I heard them, I was like, I got to find out what's going on with Mulatu. Like, who is this guy? Like, what's what's happening there? So I started doing some research and I, I learned about Mulatu. And he was this jazz artist from the 60s who was like the first African to study at like Berklee College of Music in mm-hmm. Boston. And he was really influenced by like Miles Davis and a lot of like jazz greats. And then he ended up going back to to Ethiopia and sort of mixed these different sounds. And so you've got like these like kind of 60s jazz sounds, but with like more traditional, you know, Ethiopian instruments and and, and uh, uh, production and all of that. And so I had this like big, like kind of like Ethiopian jazz phase where I was like trying to learn about that and like discover sort of what that that world had to offer. And it turned out it was quite a bit. And I feel like the reason I chose that was because of how how I came to discover it. So if I hear something and I like it, like I really try to research the source material. I love the song too, just the kind of atmosphere of it. I feel like once it kicks in and that flute drops, it just sort of whisks you away to this like mystical and alluring landscape and uh you never want to come back. It's gentle, but it builds so well. It's really beautiful. Those were three great choices. Highly recommend the songs. Thank you so much for coming on, Todd. It was an honor to talk with you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be your first guest here. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my discussion with Professor Todd Milborn. You can find a playlist with every song included in the episode description. See you next week.